passed away a couple of years ago. But um, so we hadn't rode that chairlift where you go up the mountain. Once you get up to over Gatlinburg, there's a chairlift that takes you all the way up to the peak. And so we we hadn't done that in years. And so we did that. And so they took our picture at the top of it. And I said, oh, man, guys, now you got me in trouble. I'm down here with my girlfriend, and my wife's going to find out about it. And the guy said, sorry, buddy, I can't do anything about that. And so uh, uh, but it was beautiful and just enjoying God's creation there for a little bit. And uh, But you wouldn't believe the people that we ran into that, are scared and that are troubled. And if people would only realize that Jesus is the answer. I told Jenny last night, we were laying in bed watching TV a little bit, and uh, she was watching HGTV. Can I get an amen, ladies? Yeah, okay. And uh, hang on a minute, man. It'll be your turn here in a minute. And so I had all the HGTV I could take. <laughs> so I turned it over on a good Western. Amen, guys? Amen. Hey, yeah, boy. Uh, I, yeah, it was a good one. And they were last son a fella and just treating him awful whipping him with the ropes and all that and Jenny said why are they doing that to him and I said because they're just mean and uh, but there's a lot of people that are scared and I, I turned to her and I said I've got to preach a message tomorrow on a verse of scripture that there's no way that I can do it. I've got to preach a message on a verse of Scripture that is probably the most beloved verse in all the Bible. The most memorized verse in all of the Bible. The most read verse in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The first verse of scripture that I ever memorized, how about you all? Was it you? The first verse that you ever memorized. The verse that I've gone back to years after year after year after year week after week for comfort or whatever it is but and so God's asked me to preach on that one this morning and that's a task I know a preacher that has already gone to heaven that preached three and a half years on John 3.16 every Sunday morning for three and a half years preached John 3.16 I I don't think I'm going to do that, but uh, some of you kind of look scared there for a moment. But 
There's so much to say in this verse. John chapter 3, verse 16 is our text. But it's God's gift of salvation. God's gift to a world and to, um, I thought for a moment Norman took my water. Uh, But God's gift to all of us. And if you stop and think about all of the aspects of this verse for a little while, <clears throat> it's kind of overwhelming. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. John 3.16 has long been celebrated as a powerful declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Probably everyone that I have ever personally led to the Lord, one-on-one, I have either quoted or shown that person, John 3.16. It's in every soul-winning book. It's in most every track. It's used on and on and on. And of the 31,102 verses in the Bible, it might be the single most popular verse, which I believe that it is, of all of them. Now I know that you might have your favorite, and I have my life's verse is Philippians 3.10. I, I t- took that verse a long time ago and, and said this is what I want to accomplish. This is what I want to experience, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being made conformable unto his death, that I may know Christ, that I may know him, and that I may know him in a lot of different ways. I, I know him in salvation because I believed that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I had already believed that one, but then I wanted to get to know that Savior. I wanted to get to know that person. We learn that the object of God's love, for God so loved the world. The world was the object of God's love. That every one of us that are born into this world are the object of God's love. That God looked at every one of us, and this is where I was thinking of Junior, and I was thinking of all every one of us. But, but I I think about other people, and I think that that within all of us, every one of us sitting here today, within Kyle's life or uh, Monica's life or Junior or Janice, there God found something in their life that was worth loving. In all of us that are here today. 
that we are special in God's eyes because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That He loved us so much that He sent His Son to die for us that in every one of us, God sees value. That God sees some potential that if we'll get saved, that He can use us. That He can do something with us. That He can accomplish something in us. That God loved the world. Why would He love the world? Well, I'll probably go on and maybe even kind of repeat myself here in a minute, trying to stick to my notes. I find the older I get, the more notes I need. I have a problem. And you all know the saying that when you get older, there's three things that leave you. Your eyesight, your hearing, and I can't remember what the third one is, but I'll get to it here in a minute. But uh, so, so I need I need to be able to make a few notes. We're used to. I didn't need to. I, I, good Lord, had something to work with. But but that within every one of us there is value. I mean, can you imagine? For God so loved the world. The world includes Osama bin Laden. The world includes Nancy Pelosi. The world includes Donald Trump. The world includes anybody else you might throw in there who has ever been born into this world. For God so loved the world corporately that he gave his son to die for them, for the world, that God sees potential in them. Wouldn't it be amazing if Osama bin Laden would have gotten saved and what God could have done with him and the terror that what he was doing before and that if he'd gotten saved and how God could use him? Isn't it amazing what God can do in the life of you or I that when we get saved, what God can do in us as, as bad as we may have been. Isn't it amazing what God can do when God sees the potential in people's lives? When people, and I was thinking about me, I don't know, I, I use me as an illustration a lot. People in my community didn't see the potential in me. They didn't see what God saw in me. They didn't understand that 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 person that, that is poor and down and out and maybe an, an, lives in an alcoholic's home or, or that has trouble or whatever else, that there's things that we go through, that there's things that we experience in life, and that all along God sees potential in us because God sent His Son to die for us. And that God's object of love is you and I. All of us, regardless of how ornery, regardless of how mean, regardless of how good, regardless of how perfect, regardless of how pitiful, regardless of anything about us, God loves us. Terry Taylor ought to be waving a hanky. And she'll get back with me and tell me, thank you, Vicki, because I want to tell you something. God even loves Terry Taylor, and that's amazing, isn't it? Nah, she knows I love her. But 
and she'll, whenever I get home, she'll send me a message and she'll say, I was waving my hanky, preacher. Uh, but th- that we all ought to rejoice in knowing that, that we are the object of God's love. God did not wait for the world to turn to him, but he sought out the world. He loved the world before. He loved and gave his only begotten son to the world when it was still the world. He didn't wait on people to turn to him and say, well, I love you. I want to tell you something, folks. Now, uh, Luella and Libby, they talk about this every now and then, but I fell in love with a 13-year-old girl standing across the gymnasium floor And I was struck that day. I didn't wait on her to say yes when I asked her to dance with me. I didn't wait on her when I asked her if I could come by the house one day. I didn't didn't wait on her to, uh, when I asked her if I could sit beside of her in church. Oh, man, that was, you, you, that was that was exciting to sit with her in church and by the way let me say young people i've been called down lots of times in church for talking i still do that every <laughs> but i have people even now in church going Shh, cut it out cut it quit my wife will say, I, did, I fell in love with her before she ever said a word to me. I was thinking about that the other night when she was 13. I told her that I was going to marry her when she was 13. If any boy would have come to one of my daughters and told them at 13, they would have buried that little boy somewhere along in a ditch, you know. And she laughed at me that day. Didn't you, baby? But he who laughs last. But what I'm saying is, God looked across the world and saw Joe Hutchinson and loved me. God looked down through time and saw us. And loved us. In spite of our frailties, in spite of our wickedness, in spite of our imperfections, in spite of our inabilities, in spite of anything in our lives, God loved us. He didn't wait on us to love Him back. He didn't wait on us to respond to Him. He didn't wait on us to get back with Him. He didn't wait on us to tell Him and make it a mutual agreement. He loved us. You've heard that expression. People would ask the Lord, how much do you love me? And He stretched out His arms and died. I remember as a kid, my dad asked me one time, I was just a little fella, he said, how much do you love me? And I said, a peck basket full. Now, I don't know about y'all, how many of you ever picked beans before in your life? 
And if you were just a little person, a peck basket was pretty full, a bit, pretty big thing, wasn't it? I mean, wasn't it? Come on, help me out a little bit here. So for a five- or six-year-old kid and having to pick beans and fill up a peck basket, that was a big task. That was a lot. And so I hadn't even, I hadn't even attempted a bushel basket yet as a little kid, but a peck basket. And so I told my daddy, I said, I, and I was serious with all my heart, I, I love you a peck basket full. And to me, that was a lot. But to him, it wasn't much. But God, when God asked us, do you love me? And we respond back in a only way that we can as he did with Peter there that day. Remember? Remember this. Remember when Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And he was, Jesus was saying, agape, I've told you all this before. You've heard this story before. There's a reason I'm telling it again. Jesus said, Peter, do you agape me? The Greek word for love they used. There's three major words for love in the Greek language. Agape, philio, and eros. Agape. He said, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me with all your heart? And Peter responded, yes, Lord, I philio you I like being around you and so he goes through that discourse and asks him three times and on the third time Jesus said Peter do you like me and Peter said yes you know all things then feed my sheep you see what happened there Jesus said I love you that I sacrifice for you. I'll give my life for you. And all I'm asking in return is if you're just like me. Will you just like me? You see, for God so loved the world that He loved us before we ever responded. What Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 7, you want to back up just for a moment. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. What it did is it refuted the popular idea of, of Israel and the Jewish idea regarding the way to salvation at that particular time. Jesus was saying the popular Jewish idea regarding the scope of salvation is wrong as well. Because for God so loved the world. They thought if you were born a Jew, there was your privilege of being saved. They thought if you were a Jewish person, there was your right of being saved. There was your spiritual transformation. And Jesus said, no. No, 
God doesn't just love you. God loves the world. And Nicodemus steps back and says, What? You love the Samaritans down the road? You love those half-breeds down the road? You love the Gentiles that live in other cities? What, you're telling me that all of this is wrong? And, and Jesus says, For God so loved the world. Not just one group of people, not just one sect, not just one individual, but God so loved the world. The Jews of that day probably rarely thought that God loved the world. In fact, many of them appears to be cited in a sense of the word in, in the, the writings that God maybe didn't love the world is what the Jewish people were spouting. It is a distinctively Christian idea, Morris, a theologian, writes, that God's love is wide enough to embrace all of mankind. I think about the potential. <laughs> I've, I've had, and I take this as something positive, because I'm... I'm agreeing with most folks. I was nothing. I was a nobody. I was, and I've had cousins tell me that I ought not think that about myself or even other people. But I agree with people. I wasn't worth two cents. I wasn't, in my opinion, I wasn't worth saving. But God saved me. I had a fellow that uh, used to teach me in uh, the Good News Club when I grew up, and I was saved in a Good News Club. And, and he said, I am amazed at what God's done with you. And so I could take that two ways. I could take it like, did you not think I was capable of doing anything? Or take it in the right way that when a person allows God to use them and do something in them, it is amazing to what God can do in our lives. It's amazing. Joe is putting his life into young people and into teenage boys. And he, a lot of you all don't know this, that he's been, and I'm not sure whether he's still doing it or not, but he went out here and gathered up a bunch of teenage boys that was hanging out uh, at uh, local hangouts and bringing them in and teaching them and, and dealing with them and teaching them about the Bible and, and, and playing ball with them and doing other things with them. And, Gabe working with him there and, and investing his life into people that maybe others wouldn't have. That we might go down the road and, and say, and, and I've been wanting to, there at the end of our hollow, there at Hughes Hollow where we live, uh, they all park in there, used to. I see them kind of going across the road, Joe. I don't know why. But, but uh, police told me they've run them out of there a couple of times, and, and, but they're all parked right there in that parking area, you know, parking ride or whatever you want to call it. And I've told Joe before, and Jenny, I want to get a bunch of cornhole games and go down and just throw them out and say, okay, who wants to play me? You know, who wants to challenge me? Because I am pretty good at it, or used to be. Uh, but, and just play with them and have fun with them. But Joe was already doing some things with them 
He's investing in the life. He's seeing some value in people that we may not see value in. I've been told in some churches that I've pastored that God, uh, when we've gone out and, and we've witnessed to people in the community and gone out and witnessed to uh, alcoholics or drug addicts or, or, or loose women or loose men or whatever, whoever else you want to call them, that, that gone out and try and witness to them. And I've had people in the church say, we don't want that kind in our church. And I said, do you not realize you were that kind before you got saved? You were lost and dying going to hell and you were that kind? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Can I say this without being too offensive? Jenny and I used to have a ministry years ago that we counseled gays and lesbians, and uh, we counseled girls that were going for, to have an abortion, and, 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 and we'd pray with them and win them to the Lord, and they'd get saved, and, and they'd start coming to church, and they'd, they'd start hearing the truth. And I had a, and in, one, in a church that I was pastoring at that time, I had a fellow come up to me, and I'm going to say this, and it's going to be strong, but I'm saying it for a point. He came up to me and he said, Well, preacher, you're letting queers come to church now. And I said, Yeah, and we let hypocrites like you come too. For God so loved the world. Regardless of what we and our personal preferences might think, I'm not witnessing to that person God loves that person. Jesus died for that person. It's beyond me to understand the love of God, how vast. There's a song to that effect, isn't there? God's love, how could he love me? But while I was unlovable, while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Morrison, a theologian, suggested that there are three centers of love. First, in John 3.16, God so loved the world. The second one is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, that God loves the church. And the third one is in Galatians 2.20, the Son of God who loves me. God loves the world. God loves the church. But God loves me. Me, as an individual. God loves me. God found value in my heart and life. God found value in my existence. 
God found value in what I would think, how I would live, what I would be. God loves you. Every one of you. When other people wouldn't love you, God loves you. When other people didn't care, God cares. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Because God loved me, and I'm trying to, my best to love him back. I'm trying my best to learn to love him. You see, Jenny had to learn to love me. It took me a while to convince her that she loved me. And I'm not sure she's there yet. <laughs> but I didn't have to go very long to realize that God loved me. And I'm just kidding with Jenny. I tell her, and I tell other people, because I pick on her so much, there'll be an extra star in her crown when she gets to heaven. Shh, now you be careful now. <laughs> There's people agreeing with that. <laughs> but there will be. But aren't you glad today that God loves you. That God loves you. That you're special in His eyes. That you're special in His heart. And He looks at you, to you, and wants to bless you because He loves you. Stand with me, please. Father, as we come before you, Lord, help us to understand and to realize how deep your love is and how vast your love is, how great your love is. May we not be so narrow-minded to think that you do not love others. Now, I know that you don't love their ways. I know that you don't like their ways. I know that you hate sin. I know th those things. But you love us. Even in our sins, even in the midst of all of our problems, you love us. God, help us as Christians to love each other. Because the Bible teaches us 
that we know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. The world will know us because of our love for each other. Help us to form a more secure bond with each other. And even though we disagree with the world and we disagree with a lot of things that are going on in the world today, help us to love the world enough to give them the gospel, to share truth, to share it in a way that we can win them, to make friends out of them rather than enemies, to make brothers and sisters out of them rather than enemies, to make them family. God, I pray that there's somebody here this day, Lord, Maybe they weren't feeling that love from the Father. Maybe they weren't feeling your love for them. Maybe they were questioning. God, I hope I said something this morning that would convince them that you do care about them, that you do love them, that, that you are there for them and with them. Father, I pray. I pray for them. Now pray, God, that you'll speak to our hearts today. Bring us to you, Lord, to the God that loves us. I pray it in Jesus' name. And amen. Norman.